What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 83 of the Deep Ball Gridiron Edition. I'm your host, Anthony Paolo, joined, of course, by my co-host, Corey Lickman and Core. Week 18 is in the books. That means playoffs is finally here. We had an awesome week deciding who would take the final couple seeds into the playoff picture. Now we can finally move on and talk about the playoffs. It's the best time of the year, and I'm excited to get into it. Yeah, Pao, nothing like NFL playoffs, in my opinion. I mean, every every NFL season goes by so fast, and it literally just seems like it was, it was Bill's Rams week one. Now we're in the playoffs, but best time of the year, and definitely looking forward to it. It's the best time of the year for 14 teams now in the NFL. For the other 18, time to look forward to the future. Unfortunately, it wasn't a great week for a couple coaches as well. We will definitely talk about that in a little bit. But we're going to talk on the positive side first. We're going to talk about some of the teams that punched their ticket to the playoffs. We'll start on Saturday first this past week, and we'll start in prime time on Saturday where the Jacksonville Jaguars defeated the Tennessee Titans 20-16 to to propel them to an AFC South victory It. An unbelievable comeback from the Jaguars. I believe they won their last four games to get into this position. For the Titans, they lost their last seven. Just two teams moving in completely opposite directions. This game was close. It wasn't very, like, action-packed. But I don't know. It was just like a close, good football game. The Jacksonville Jaguars defense definitely won them this game. Rayshon Jenkins with a strip sack that Josh Allen ended up picking up and returning for a touchdown with about three and a half minutes left. Trevor Lawrence, I personally thought this would be like his coming out party. He looked really good in prime time. That wasn't really the case. Tennessee's defense played really well in this one. Their front did a great job limiting Travis Etienne all day, too. In the end, though, their defense was able to get the job done in Trevor Lawrence, although it wasn't his best performance. Uh, he's got another one this week against the Chargers. Yeah, for sure. I mean, a win is a win for the Jaguars. And in this game, I mean, with Mike Vrabel as the coach of the Titans, obviously one of the best in the league. I mean, I expected this game to honestly be closer than I think a lot of people expected, despite, I mean, Josh Dobbs starting, who honestly I thought competed pretty well in this one. But obviously, I mean, no offense to Josh Dobbs, but like Josh Dobbs, you're starting quarterback. I mean, it's just going to be hard to win a like must win type game, I could be confident in it. But, yeah, I mean, the Jaguars showed in this one when Trevor Lawrence doesn't play as well as he can or should. The defense is there, especially the D-line, able to step up. And, yeah, I mean, we almost will them to a victory that Rayshon Jenkins forced fumble and Josh Allen um, cribbing it definitely propelled them to the win. And, yeah, I mean, the Jaguars, I think you look at them here, they won the game and – I'm honestly, like, not worried about them at all just because, I mean, this team's obviously very young. Doug Peterson does have championship pedigree. And Trevor Lawrence, I mean, didn't play as well as he could. But this is almost this was almost like a playoff-type feel. So I think for him, he gets out a game where I'd probably give him about, like, a grade, like, maybe like a C, C-plus, like, type grade like that. He gets out a performance like that, and he gets a feel for it now – Heads into an, like an actual playoff game against a better Chargers team, but I think the like the preparation for of a game that he just played like will help him in a playoff game. And I mean, for the Jaguars, I think you got to realize like to me that like they're definitely gonna play better against the Chargers. So they got the win. That's all that matters. And I still think the Jaguars. I mean, against the Chargers, certainly can can win this game. And for the Titans, I mean, yeah, I mean, tough. I don't know where they go from here. I think. You got to look quarterback. I don't know if Ryan Tannehill will be back, but 
you got one of the best coaches in the league. You got Derrick Henry, who somehow doesn't slow down. I mean, he gets 30 carries a game. But I think the Jaguars, I mean, are definitely on the way up. And I don't know, this could be their division for years to come with, with Trevor Lawrence. And I mean, Calvin really coming back too. But yeah, good win for the Jags showed a different way of uh, of winning a football game. Yeah, you make a really good point that this was kind of a playoff game for the Jags, and that would be Lawrence's first. So maybe being in an environment like this definitely will calm him now. Or I believe they play this Saturday. I think they're the Saturday night game. Yeah, they are the Saturday night yeah. game against the Chargers again. So who, who knows? Jacksonville kind of hot on Saturdays this year. Let's see if they can make it back-to-back weeks. But for the Titans side of things, you're 100% right. He is such a good coach that it would be such a shame if Tennessee had to go through like a sort of a rebuild because it always seems that we're able to, able to do more with less. At least that's been the case the past couple of years. They were really injured this year. So you could definitely point to that as being one of the problems. Obviously, Ryan Tannehill down the stretch too, not having him. But yeah, they definitely going to have to look themselves in the mirror and potentially make some things. I know they fired a bunch of guys on their staff. I know Todd Downing, the offensive coordinator, was let go amongst other guys. They also have a GM opening too. So it's definitely, I don't know. When, don't want to call it a rebuild, maybe a retooling in Tennessee because maybe they'll still be competitive these next like next year. But with the Texans and the Colts getting top five draft picks, who knows? The Titans definitely have to be able to keep up. But I'm sure, like I said, if, as long as Mike Vrabel's around, this team will be competitive. They definitely, they, clearly, they never did anything to fix the AJ Brown problem. I know they drafted Traylon Burks, and he was like he was good when he played towards the end of the year, but. He just wasn't able to be out there a lot of the times. I know he took like that bad hit in the Eagles game. So hopefully for him, he has a lot better of a year with health wise. And they can just add a couple other pieces, a couple other good pass catchers. And maybe on the defensive side of things, um, their secondary definitely needs a little bit of work. But bring it back to the Jaguars, good for them. And hopefully they can be competitive in this game because they, they were good, they were good against the Titans, but they're gonna have to play a lot better if they want to beat the Los Angeles Chargers. The other game on Saturday, we're not talking. We won't talk too much about the Kansas City Chiefs beat the Las Vegas Raiders in Vegas. Patrick Mahomes continues his dominance over the AFC West with this win. The Chiefs move to the number one seed in the AFC. I mean, all you have to do from this game is just watch that play. They end up getting called back like the Kadarius Tony touchdown when these guys are circling around, just joking around. It's just too easy sometimes on offense for the Chiefs and company. So they get a buy, they get to drop a lot of different plays now and um, a well-deserved one seed in a year that, I mean, you lose Tyree Kill and people are like, oh, you're going to get worse. No, they're not. They're the Chiefs and somehow, some way with Patrick Mahomes, they just continue to dominate and the rest of the league yeah, um, the rest of the league, like, there's some teams that are, like, on their level and stuff. But, like, again, this is now year five of Mahomes. Well, mm. five – yeah, yeah, year five it's of Mahomes. Six, six, year, six year in the league, but fifth year of actually, like, starting. And, I mean, look, it, it, it's ridiculous. Oh, yeah, I mean, Patrick Mahomes on your team, it's almost like even if they don't win the Super Bowl, I mean, I feel like, yeah, when Patrick Mahomes on your team, it's – Pretty much Super Bowl or bust. I mean, like every year he's on the team, it's going to be a Super Bowl contending team. And, you know, I mean, you could probably pull up an episode for the season. I don't know. I mean, I kind of was thinking no Tyree Kill for the Chiefs, that Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs were going to take a little bit of a step back. And obviously that clearly wasn't the case. I mean, they go 14-3 and um, this season. And Mahomes goes for what, like over 5,000 yards. Um, definitely an MVP type season. I mean, with Jalen Hurts getting hurt, I mean, it should be Mahomes 
to win or hurts. We'll see. But I mean, he's just unreal. I think, like we said earlier, it's kind of like the like the LeBron treatment in basketball. I mean, like he's just the best quarterback uh, in the league. Him and Josh Allen, but I think I got to put Mahomes ahead of him right now. But yeah, I mean, I think Kadarius Tony certainly helps this team. Like his ability to not only be a receiver, but get like different type plays called for him, like rushing. And like he's very just like silky type player, just able to make moves and cuts that are pretty unique. So yeah, I mean, this Chiefs team, despite losing to the Bills, I mean, they're definitely worthy of the one seed considering what happened. I don't have a problem with that. And I mean, yeah, it's going to have to run through Kansas City. And I think I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see them in the, in the playoffs this year uh, for, for another year. I mean, every time Patrick Mahomes is on the field, it's it's fun to watch. So, I mean, yeah, I think right now you got to say the Chiefs, probably you got to put them as the favorites to win the AFC, even though it's going to be competitive. But I mean, this game wasn't really competitive at all. I mean, kind of thought the Chiefs were going to win, but yeah, they're definitely a team who no one, no one wants to face for sure. Well, yeah, the Chiefs lose Tyreek Hill in the offseason, and I know he might have taken a little bit to uh, come on to that, but I mean, like, they replaced him with wide receiver one, Jerick McKinnon, who has, like, eight receiving touchdowns yeah. down the stretch. <laughs> like, it's ridiculous. Again, McKinnon, this guy, I mean, he had talent when he was in Minnesota, then kind of blew out his knee with San Francisco. That was kind of a mess of a tenure. But now with the Chiefs, don't worry. He's the best receiving back that you've seen in quite some time. Of course, I'm exaggerating here. But I just think it's funny this guy catches a touchdown every single game. Yeah, like that's absurd. I think he has more receiving touchdowns than Tyreek Hill. Like, (laughs) of course, they're not used the same. We understand that. But it's just funny to say things like that. I will correct you on one thing for the AFC technically doesn't run through Kansas City because of the neutral field. But if Cincinnati were to get to the AFC championship game, it would be in Kansas City. So there you go. And yeah, I think the Bills Bills definitely would give the Chiefs like maybe the most trouble. You could argue the Bengals, too, especially because the Bengals have had their number three times in almost the past calendar year. But I'm sure the Chiefs will definitely be fired up if they have to play the Bengals again. There's no way that I, like, like, yeah, like, you know what I mean? To beat the Chiefs four straight times after the Chiefs, of course, they're going to get up for a playoff game. That's just, like, a bad thing if I'm just going to be like, oh, the Chiefs are going to be so much more. You know what I mean? Because it's a playoff game. Of course, they're going to be as up as you could be for it. But, like, there's got to be like a different type of revenge on their mind if they do meet with Cincinnati in the IFC Championship. So we'll have to wait and see what happens. But for now, the Chiefs are the one seed. That means the Buffalo Bills on Sunday were not playing for the one seed. They were instead playing for the two seed and playing for DeMar Hamlin, their safety. And, I mean, Naheem Hyde takes back the opening kickoff court. It's just one of those moments that you say, like, sports absolutely rule, man. Like, it's it's awesome when, like, such an awesome moment like that happens. He ended up returning another one later in the game. The Bills ended up being victorious in this one, 35-23, which knocked the Patriots out of the playoff picture, which is – I mean, the Patriots played all right in this one. They actually played a better game, but their fate was kind of sealed with that Jacoby Myers failed lateral and losing to the Raiders. If they would have ended up going to OT and winning that game, they are pro- they are in the playoffs, but instead um, they're, they're not. And for the Bills, they, they played well in this one. Like I said, it helps when you get to – kicker turns for touchdowns, but they're now moving on to the playoffs, and they are going to play the Miami Dolphins, who we'll get into in a little bit. But, yeah, I mean, the main story in this one is the Naheem Hines, especially the opening kickoff, man. It, it was just, like, it was special. Yeah, but I mean, it's not the same, but, like, as, as a kicker, you know, 
we we respect special teams more. I mean, obviously, an opening kickoff return after the events that occurred in Buffalo certainly. I mean, it's just unbelievable. I mean, definitely like chills, um, and everything along those lines. Just the moment that it occurred in, but yeah, I mean, what they didn't they didn't have a kickoff return touchdown in three years and three months. So it's just crazy how that works. And yeah, I mean, clearly they were playing with with heavier hearts out there. And I mean, this game, you're right. I mean, the Patriots played like solid ball. I mean, if they're able to, if their special teams are better in this one, they could win this game for sure. I mean, they lose by 12 points and they give up two kickoff return touchdowns. I mean, that's 14 points right there. So and I'm sorry to cut you off too. Two yeah. of the two of the touchdowns that Josh Allen threw were just like ridiculous. Um, like they were jaw dropping. The one that he threw to John Brown was jaw dropping. Like it's crazy. Like I don't want to say the Patriots again like on the short end of a stick, but like oh no. Not reflect not a reflective 35 points given up. I agree. So I'm gonna ask you a question. You think the the way the Bills scored 35 points in this game, I'm not gonna sit here and um act like like special teams is a big phase of the game, but I'm not mm-hmm. going to say like two kickoff return touchdowns in a game is sustainable. So with them getting 35 points and what, I mean, that, that throw to Diggs was actually insane. And mm-hmm. that one that John Brown was insane too. Like, do you, do you have like confidence in Josh Allen? And I mean, obviously I have confidence in Josh Allen, but like, do you have confidence in the way the bills are like putting, like, does this game like, concern you at all just the way that they were able like that they got their 35 points or you're still like confident buffalo is like as good as anyone and could win the super bowl yeah no it's a really good question i'm not too worried i think this is just another a different way that the bills can win like they can beat you with these explosive plays that's kind of the way i don't maybe want to say that they want to win but i think that they've also shown through the second half of the season as they've been running the ball a lot better that they are willing to win cheaper by taking six yards on the ground if it's given to you and stuff like that. But I definitely think that's a really good point you bring up because a team like Cincinnati, especially how they played Mahomes, that's their big thing. They take away everything over the top against Mahomes, and they they are begging you to go on 14-play drives if that's how you want to beat them. So that's going to be a similar way that Buffalo, I'm sure, gets played against Cincinnati. And for Buffalo, they're going to have to be able to grind that. It wasn't really as much of a grinded-out type of game against New England. They were able to hit those big plays. Obviously, the two kick-return touchdowns helped. But you're right. That is something that it's going to be a little bit of a different type style of game from this past week. I know, like, what's one of those games that they, like, the Dolphins game a couple weeks back, like the Bills, you know what I mean? That was more of like a grinded-out one that they ended up winning. So maybe we'll see something like that in the near future with that game because the Dolphins ended up beating the Jets core 11 to six. That was one of the most disgusting football games that I've ever had to watch. But I mean, what do you expect when you get Skylar Thompson and Joe Flacco for the Dolphins getting the seven seed? It feels like kind of gross. If you ask me, they go one and five in their last six. I feel really bad for the Steelers who finished also nine and eight, but they don't have the head to head tiebreaker. So I don't feel that bad because the Steelers did technically lose to the Dolphins this year. So even Mm -hmm. though the Steelers kind of got hot and they look probably like, a little better than the Dolphins right now because of their defense and how Kenny Pickett's playing. It's right that the Dolphins are in. If the Dolphins had Tua, I actually think that this game against the Bills could be really close and one of the best games of the weekend. Without Tua, though, and it doesn't look like he will be. He's not even clearing concussion protocol yet. Teddy Bridgewater looks like he will be the quarterback this week. Um, 
I still don't give them too much of a shot there. It's just a different feeling with the Dolphins offense under without Tua under center. However, both of the games, I know they had like they had Tua for half of the first one. They beat them the first one. And then in Buffalo, Tua played pretty well and they gave him a run for their money fast in the game winning field goal. So don't necessarily just write the Dolphins off yet, but I feel really confident in the Bills. And like I said, it would take Tua coming back for me to even entertain the thought of the Bills getting upset. I mean, yeah, this game was really bad. I think Mike McDaniel was just like, the Jets have not – you know the Jets have not scored a touchdown since they played the Detroit Lions, which, I mean, I, yeah, they haven't scored in 12 quarters. I mean – Hey, you want to know what's worse about that core? Is what? that you guys were, like, not mathematically eliminated for the playoffs for eight of those quarters. Yeah, like these I know. Were, these were must-win games, and you, your offense was just like, eh, I don't really feel yeah. like it. <laughs> nah, I just like we they just couldn't put the ball in the end zone, the Jets. And obviously in this game, I mean the Jets total team under was probably like the biggest lock of all time. Like the under in the game was pretty free. I mean, Skylar Thompson's not gonna go out there and and sling the rock. But I mean, like Tua definitely gets some type of slander. But like the one thing you gotta give him is I mean, when he's not in the lineup for for this Dolphins team. It just seems like they're just – like, with Tua, they're, like, a good team, like, pretty good. I wouldn't say they're great. But, like, without him, I, I think – if he doesn't play this whole year, they probably are, I don't know, like a six, seven, maybe, win team, in my opinion. Just when he's not that quarterback, it just seems different. Even, like, Teddy Bridgewater is, like, a serviceable backup. But when he's playing, it just doesn't seem – the offense doesn't seem as explosive with, with Tua. So, I mean, he's had his ups and downs, but, I mean – to his credit, I mean, when he's not the quarterback, the team does not look good at all. And, yeah, I mean, I hope he plays, but if he doesn't, it's going to be Teddy. And I really don't have confidence in Teddy Bridgewater to go into Buffalo and and get a win. I, I just can't see it happening. And if Teddy Bridgewater is the quarterback, I'm honestly going to root for the Bills just so we can get a better playoff, like, further down the road. Because, like, I'd rather see the Bills versus – like the Bengals, then I don't know, like Teddy Bridgewater and the Dolphins versus another team. So um, the Dolphins uh, get in, but you're going to ask me, do I feel bad for the Steelers? No, they lost to the Dolphins. And like earlier, they lost to the Jets. So you had your chances. It's good they got hot late. And honestly, they probably were the best out of the three teams trying to fight in for that last spot as of now. But they kind of shot themselves in the foot with that with that brutal start. But, yeah, I mean, you got to beat the Jets at home even early in the year. And you had the Dolphins on the road. You could have won that game and you would have been in the playoffs. But I know you see those memes. It was like um, it was like the Steelers getting eliminated, but Mike Tomlin keeps his mm -hmm. winning record. They're, like hanging, they're hanging a banner in Heinz yeah, Field. Not, well, it's it was not like Heinz Field the, anymore. They renamed it. But It was like the Damian Lillard meme, like walking into the, uh, into the locker room. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty funny, but. Yeah, I, mean, I don't think the Dolphins really have a chance without Tua, to be honest. Yeah, that's fair. And we'll definitely talk about that game a little bit more. But, yeah, for the Steelers' side of the things, you're 100% right. Like, a win 
in week 18 and a win in week one, guess what? They're both wins. You know what I mean? So the games early on the year, they really still do matter a ton. And for the Steelers, it was a slow start. And unfortunately, that held them back a little bit. Another team that gets held back by their slow start this year, Core, the Detroit Lions. And they missed the playoffs even after winning. They missed the playoffs because first, Seattle won earlier in the day. They beat the Rams in overtime. And a game that it looked like the Rams actually could really play spoiler. And it looked like in its first second in overtime that Baker Mayfield was about to throw an absolute bomb to Van Jefferson. He did, but Quandre Diggs comes out of nowhere, picks the ball off. Jason Myers ends up hitting a game-winning field goal. This was after Myers had missed a field goal at the end of regulation where Metcalf and Ramsey were getting into it. It was kind of a crazy end to the game in this one. The Lions take the field in Lambeau with really nothing to gain, but if the Green Bay wins, Green Bay would have been in the playoffs, and the Lions do what they've done under Dan Campbell. They absolutely fight. They're a gritty team. And in the end, they spoil Aaron Rodgers and potentially end his career as a Packer with a 20-16 to 16 victory there. I mean, they pick off Aaron Rodgers late in this one. They were the more physical team. And then they go for it on fourth down. He finds DJ Chark. They're running a little hook and ladder, being really creative on second down. I mean, for Detroit to finish 9-8, and eight, it's never a success really when you don't make the playoffs and stuff. But I mean, this Detroit Lions team has to feel really good about their future. And this was like, again... It's not. I'm not going to say that this was like a playoff type win for them because it wasn't. Because mm-hmm. again, their season's over. But like, this has to be next up on the list. Like, if you couldn't make the playoffs, what is the second best thing to do in the season? Finish nine and eight and end Aaron Rodgers at Lambeau. I mean, awesome win for Detroit and good for their fans. I mean, the lot. I like the Lions winning this game. I think you could you could be like it didn't matter. Like you lose, you get a little bit better of your own pick. But, I mean, I feel like the Lions are a team kind of on the come up. And to me, I think a win like this kind of is important. You knock off the Green Bay Packers in Lambeau to eliminate their playoff chances when they were a team who just needed to win and they were in. I think this could bring a lot of momentum going into the 2023 season because, I mean, this is a team who I think, like, the Niners, I think. Yeah, the Niners, if you're looking, who would they want to play? I mean – Maybe Aaron Rodgers, they'd be a little, like, not scared, but they don't want to – I mean, Aaron Rodgers really does not play well in the playoffs, to be honest. But, like, they definitely would have rather played Seattle over the Lions. I think Seattle is a team who really is fading. They got they got a good, they got a good win over the Jets, who haven't scored a touchdown in, in 12 quarters. And then outside of that, they struggled to beat the Rams, who obviously the Rams were playing hard because they want to eliminate a – uh, divisional opponent, but I think the Lions were the best team out of these three, and I think for them this is a good win. I think a team on the come up, and I I don't know. I mean, it's early, but I think the Lions are are a playoff team going into the twenty twenty three season. Like I think they will. I think Dan Campbell's definitely done a great job. You could tell for the Lions, it's it's rare for them to not get up for a game. They kind of got outplayed against the Panthers. Uh, like two weeks ago, I think it was on Christmas Eve, but mostly this team gets up for a lot of games. And after a start that started one and six, I think it's impressive for them to rebound and finish at nine and eight. And for the Packers, I don't know where you go from here, but I think you you look at this game and the Packers, who takes most of the blame? I think it's got to be on Aaron Rodgers. You could you can you can say Devonta Adams isn't on the team anymore. He doesn't have that great of weapons, but like. You could do an analogy right here. Patrick Mahomes gets Tyreek Hill taken away. I mean, he still has Travis Kelsey um, bringing Juju. 
But I mean, you take you you take away his number one option on the outside, and what does he do? I mean, he leads them to a fourteen and three season and an MVP type season. And Aaron Rodgers loses Devontae Adams, and he kind of plays like mids almost the whole year. And then in a winner go home situation against a team you've kind of beaten up your your whole career basically in in Green Bay, you can't get the win. I mean, missing missing some throws. So I think this game is on Aaron Rodgers. I don't know what his future stands. I honestly would not be surprised if Aaron Rodgers decided to just just hang it up. Because if you watch Aaron Rodgers, it just seems he just I feel like he's not as disengaged. Like, yeah, I'm gonna say like he doesn't even look like that interested in the game. Like Brady, I can give credit to. I mean, he's 45, but if you watch Brady, he's still like locked in and really competitive and you could tell like he cares like it seems like Aaron Rodgers just does not care that much anymore I mean you, you Aaron Rodgers is 39 years old I mean that's still old I really would not want the Jets to get Aaron Rodgers despite him being like an all-time great talent I just feel like I don't know what what are you getting from Aaron Rodgers right now like this is a guy who I mean hasn't really I don't know in the playoffs usually does not play that great I mean, three straight seasons, they lose to the Bucks at home. They lose to the 49ers at home in the playoffs, and then in a must-win to get to the playoffs. He can't even get the job done against a team. Lions are a good team, but, I mean, like, the Packers should be winning this game. If you're any good, you're winning this game at home to get into the playoffs, and Aaron Rodgers couldn't get that done. It just seems like he's not engaged. He does have that one Super Bowl, but outside of that, um, I mean, it's kind of been a little bit – of a struggle almost for Aaron in the in the playoffs. So I don't know what stands for here, but I'm gonna go off right now. I think Aaron Rodgers honestly is gonna hang up the cleats and and retire. I don't know. It seems like it always seems like he's all talk, but I feel like after this one, even like Jamison Williams asked to get his jersey and he's like, I'm not I'm gonna hold on to this. I just think what more does he have to like prove? I feel like he's kind of I mean, he's coming off two MVP seasons, but he's kind of on the downhill after this season. I still think he's a really, really good quarterback still, but I just seem like he's just not engaged. And he's 39. He's made a lot of money. He's had a Hall of Fame career. Like, what else does he have to prove if it seems like the passion isn't isn't really there and the competitiveness isn't there as much anymore? Yeah, I mean, you make a really good point. I mean, even in this one, again, 17 for 27, 205 yards, a touchdown in that costly interception. He didn't throw for over 300 yards in any game this year, which is like a little bit alarming, too. I mean, we're talking about Aaron Rodgers here. And, again, it almost just seemed like it was a lot of pointing the finger in Green Bay about stuff where it was like, yeah, they lost Devontae Adams and stuff like that. No, Christian Watson's hurt. Romeo Dabbs now got hurt. But at the end of the day, like, he had a winner-go-home game against Detroit in Lambeau. And you and you put up 16 points and threw a critical interception down the stretch and just didn't play good all game at all. Detroit kind of had his number this year. They beat them both times. So yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see Rodgers walk away. I kind of like if I had to lean away, I definitely think that was his last game in Green Bay. Possible spots. You know, the Jets is going to be a possible spot that a lot of people are going to talk about, like the parallelism between Favre going to the Jets after the Packers and now Rodgers doing that. I think Vegas. Could also be another spot maybe reuniting with Devontae Adams. I'm not entirely sure, but they did just pay him last offseason. It kind of sucks for Green Bay in the sense because they were like four and eight, and that was after Jordan Love played on Sunday Night Football. So people were maybe saying, all right, let's see what Jordan Love has for like the next five weeks, and you know what I mean, and then we'll reassess. But now they still don't make the playoffs. 
Aaron Rodgers' future is even more uncertain, and they have no clue what they have in Jordan Love, and they have one year left of him on a rookie contract. They have to decide on this fifth-year option this year. So definitely a really long offseason for Green Bay in the sense that they have to figure out their like what direction their franchise is going to go. Is there a storied franchise? They still have a really good coach in Matt LaFleur, so I'm sure they'll be okay. But, yeah, definitely a lot of questions. And definitely we'll keep you posted with the Aaron Rodgers news because it's it's definitely going to get exciting, and uh, I'm definitely looking forward to it. It's awesome when you have one of these marquee quarterbacks potentially on the move. And for Rodgers, a Hall of Famer, easily one of the all-time greats. Um, hopefully it wasn't the end, of course. You'd like to see him give it another run. You hate to see, like, the end of an era and like when Aaron Rodgers retires, that will be a moment that I'm like, wow, I feel really, really old, but you know what I mean? T- time is ticking there. We'll move on to the rest of the NFC, just how the seeds were kind of finalized. Cause that was the only game. Like the seven seed was the only one that people that was up for grabs this past weekend. The Philadelphia Eagles clinched the one seed with kind of an ugly win against the Giants, 22 to 16. The Eagles played their starters. The Giants did not, but the Eagles ended up taking five field goals. They have off this week. They're the, they have the bye, which maybe they don't necessarily want. Of course, they want the bye, but like they were rusty in that game against the Giants. Now taking another week off, this might potentially hurt them. So definitely something to monitor. They got to have a good week of a good couple weeks of practice and get right. But who knows how they're going to come out in that divisional game with another two weeks off after playing kind of. Of, like I said, a very rusty game against the Giants. And Jalen Hurts in his first game back didn't look great. They would have been okay anyway, though, with the NFC East because the Cowboys had a disgusting loss, 26-6, to to the Washington Commanders, who were playing for nothing. Sam Howell was pretty good in that one. Dak Prescott, oh, like the pick six that he threw to Kendall Fuller was pretty gross. The 49ers did dominate. They clinched the two-seed as well. 38-13 victory. We'll talk about them when we talk more about our playoff picture. But, core, I mean, focusing, I guess, more on, like, the NFC East. I mean, kind of a bad week for the Eagles and the Cowboys. I know the Eagles still ended up with a victory, but the Cowboys, that was kind of gross. If you want to touch on either two of these, please. Yeah, I think you say the Eagles. I mean, obviously they win this game and they get a bye. I I kind of look at it a little bit different. I think Jalen Hurts, I think a a week, one more week off for him will, will kind of benefit him. I mean, in this game, there were obviously no really QB designed runs as there are sometimes for him. Yeah, they tried they tried not to let him get hit at all this yeah. game. I think it was more of just I mean he didn't play he didn't play great by any um by any means. But I think for him to go out there and just get a game in before the playoffs, I think a a week could help him just because it gives him another week to rest that shoulder and better it up. You could think like it's kind of weird for him to play like miss two weeks, play, not play another week, and then play. But I think for him to go out there and just get a game in, I think will help him honestly, just because it'll that'll knock off a little bit of the rust. And now he can just, I don't know, he could rest up another week and then get back into it the following week with a better, hopefully a better shoulder for his sake in the Eagles' sake, and. Maybe that game he played will knock off the rust, and now I think he'll be better to go, in my opinion. And then for the Cowboys, I think what was brutal about them is you could have got the number one seed, but to me it was pretty unrealistic just because you needed Philly to lose and you needed the Niners to lose, right? So I think both those teams – I mean, obviously the Giants were a team who was already in the playoffs, couldn't really move up or down. And Davis Webb goes out there, competes well. But I think the Eagles were going to win this game. The spread was, what, like minus 16 or something? And then 
the, the the Niners are playing a Cardinals team who I don't even know who's starting there, but um, like David David Blow. Blow, yeah. I mean, you're starting. It was just on. It was pretty unrealistic for them to get the number one seed. I think if you if they rest their players, like Dak doesn't play, or maybe just plays like a drive or two, you go into the playoffs not feeling bad. You're like, we're all right. We can go into Tampa and get a win. They still think that, but Dak goes out there and throws. 14 for 37, literally giving Fuller two straight plays of this, like literally the same play. Like the first one, he doesn't catch, and Dak's like, oh, here's another one. And then it's a pick six. So I think you look at Dallas right now. I mean, what did they really do well in this game? Really, really nothing. I think the thing that concerned me a little bit, it was back then when they when they played Green Bay, it was almost like their their defense wasn't re- – I think that was almost a game their defense kind of like – I saw flaws in it. Like Green Bay kind of ate up on them. And since then almost, I mean, they've had some decent games, but like the defense earlier in the season was their, their staple, like their go-to thing to make them a really good team. And now you look at them with a fading defense a little bit. I mean, Michael Parsons on that D-line obviously – he scares me, but outside of that, I don't know. I think Dallas, I mean, they're known for choking in the playoffs. I mean, this line against against the Bucks, I feel like everyone's gonna take the Bucks, to be honest. And plus three for the Bucks, it just seems like a good line for them. With I just think Dallas is I don't know, Dak Prescott has just really not looked good as of late. I don't know what's wrong with him, but he what is he throwing like? Has he thrown a pick six and was it two or three straight games? I think like he's just throwing a lot of interceptions, not really efficient. And it's just a bad like taste in their mouth for Dallas to limp into the playoffs like this after a really bad game against Washington and credit to Sam Howell who went out there in his first career start and played pretty well. But I think I'm a little bit concerned of, of Dallas and I really wouldn't be surprised if they went home this um this week, Monday night against against Tampa. So, I think Dallas is a wild card, though. I think if they are like if they're on all, if they're clicking on all cylinders, they could get out of the NFC. But if you're telling me, are they going to lose? What's what's a what's more realistic, them losing against Tampa or making the Super Bowl? I'm going to say like them losing against Tampa is is more realistic, in my opinion. Yeah, I 100% agree, and I was really high on Dallas earlier in the season. But yeah, I mean, if you look at their team down the stretch, their defense has kind of fell apart. Their big win down the stretch is the Eagles with Minshew at quarterback. Aside from mm-hmm. that, even in that game, they gave up 34 points. The Titans game on Thursday night football was ugly when the Titans were resting everybody. They still didn't even play that good of football. This last one against the Commanders, they blew that lead to Jacksonville late. They almost lost to the Texans, if you remember. So this is not the same team that we saw earlier in the year that I was confident that could potentially even get out of the NFC. I think that they might have some trouble in round one. We will definitely talk about that in a little bit. But first, Corey, let's talk about a little bit of the negatives because we have to unfortunately talk about it. We got to talk about some of the coaches that were fired this past week. Not a lot of them really on Black Monday. Normally, the Monday after the regular season, you get like five coaches fired. This year, there's only two. We'll start first with Cliff Kingsbury, who was fired after four years, 28-37 and won his record there. The big like downfall, I believe the Cardinals last year started 7-0 and or somewhere around there. Since that point, they have been abysmal. I mean, they lost in the first round of the playoffs last year to the Rams on Monday night. That game was really ugly. And then this year was, again, really gross. I know you lost Kyler Murray, but even with Kyler Murray, they weren't good. I think they ended up finished 4-13. and So 
the writing was kind of on the wall there. I mean, Kingsbury people definitely criticized the hire when it was made because he would just been fired from Texas Tech. He'll probably still get an offensive coordinator job while hanging around, but for the Cardinals, they definitely have one of like the strangest off seasons in the sense that like now with no coach, their GM also stepped away. Kyler, like whoever takes that job, has to one probably be like ready to like to work with Kyler Murray, which makes sense. You know what I mean? Kyler Murray is still arguably a top 10 quarterback in the league, but he's coming off an ACL injury. Who knows when he'll be back. He probably won't be back to start the regular season because he got hurt in December. So that's definitely a tough job for somebody to take. DeAndre Hopkins potentially wants out as well too. So yeah, kind of walking into a little bit of a mess in Arizona. It seems like maybe their window is closed and maybe they have to rebuild a little bit, but for Kingsbury, I, I, again, I don't think anybody's necessarily too surprised with this. He wasn't already a great head coach to begin with. His offense is good sometimes, but again, it seemed like Kyler Murray almost kind of bailed him out in a couple of games this year and has in the past. And yeah, when, once he lost Kyler Murray too, they didn't win a game. So that's it for Cliff. Like I said, I think he'll hang around and be an offensive coordinator somewhere, if not in the NFL college. But um, yeah, I mean, Arizona, definitely uh, some dark days ahead of them. The Cardinals, I think, are a team who, I mean, I think it's kind of unfortunate just because last year, I mean, they got off to an 8-1 and one start. And I know DeAndre Hopkins kind of went down with injury in, in that one. And Kyler, obviously, without – I mean, he didn't have, like, Hollywood. So it was kind of tough for him. Like, he didn't ever have a number one receiver. And then this year, I mean, DeAndre Hopkins misses the first six weeks. He comes back. And Hollywood Brown, who was having a really good season before – D-Hop comes back. He goes down with an ankle injury. And then they're finally back. And then Kyler goes down with a torn ACL. So I think it's kind of tough for them. I kind of wanted to see them, like, as a full team for a full season. Like, all pieces. Because last year, I mean, I know it was early. But when they had D-Hop and Kyler, they were kind of, they were kind of, like, cooking. And they were one of the best teams in the NFC. I don't know how sustainable that was. I mean, obviously, like, the ceiling for this team I never thought was, like, a Super Bowl team. But, I don't know. I mean, it's unfortunate. They ended the season with a pretty ugly record, I think, 4-13. and and But I think if you give them, like, if it's Kyler, D-Hop, and Hollywood with, like, Connor in the backfield. Rondell Moore, too. Yeah, Rondell Moore. I mean, obviously, you got, like, 65-year-old A.J. Green. But I just think it's, like, a decent team. I think it was kind of unfortunate. But, I mean, Cliff – Cliff Kingsbury, I think with what went on with this team, it was kind of time for him to go. I don't really know if he got a fair deal. I still think he's a good offensive mind. I definitely agree with you. I think he'll get a job somewhere else. I don't think his time's like over. But I don't know what remains for for the for the Cardinals. I mean, Kyler Murray is locked up unless you want to trade him. He's coming off an ACL tier, but I still think you can get good compensation for for Kyler Murray. I mean, his ability is pretty unique in this league. Not many guys can do what he does when it comes to extending plays, making plays with his legs, and he does have a good arm. So, I mean, I don't know where – I think D-Hop, I saw they're trying to trade. I wouldn't be surprised if that happens. I mean, this you look at this head coaching position, it's really not that attractable, in my opinion, despite you getting to work with Kyler Murray, who's going to be coming off an ACL, ACL tear. It's just – I don't know. I just don't think this job is really – attractable at all they'll get a solid pick I mean you text me the other day you think it would be smart for them to trade Kyler somehow and bring in a QB in this class like a CJ Stroud you think that would be a smart move 
I mean, the one thing about that, though, is that they have to eat a lot of money then with Kyler because I'm sure they have a ton of guarantee. Like, you know what I mean? It's so much dead money. I don't even really think it's, like, possible. It was just kind of just, like, one of those things. Oh, they have, I think, the third overall pick in the draft. You know what I mean? So, like, maybe they would move on. I don't think that, that that's not going to happen, to be honest. Mm. But, I mean, I just think it's really tough to convince a new head coach then to come in, like, and be like, yeah, they would have to eat, like, 80 million. Or, like, if they traded him, if I'm reading this right, if they traded him, they are eating, like, over $40 million. So, it may be possible if they just rebuild, if they just pump the year. You know what I mean? And we've seen it before with Goff and Wentz, like Goff and Wentz both like signed big contracts and then they were traded. I don't, I don't think that's going to happen though. I think you stay with Kyler Murray. I think he's too good of a quarterback. But if he was healthy, I think that out of all the jobs, like he's probably like makes the Cardinals be like one of the better ones just because of like he's an established quarterback. Whereas the other ones like Russ, you never know. The Panthers have a quarterback mess. So do the Colts. And the Texans are going to be drafting one. But for now, with him hurt, there's just a lot of uncertainty there. And it's going to be tough in Arizona. But we'll see. Hopefully, the better days are ahead for that franchise. I also mentioned the Texans. Lovey Smith was fired after three and 13 in one season. This was after David Culley was just fired last year after a four and 13 year in Houston. Kind of a mess there with the Texans. They can't figure out that coaching thing. And they're honestly not giving these guys a fair shot. I don't think it's fair to ever give like a coach only one year. But it didn't seem like Lovey Smith was ever their guy. It almost seemed like they kind of wanted to hire like Brian Flores around when all that stuff was coming out with Miami. They've also interviewed like Josh McCowan these past couple of years, and it seems like they're really high on him, but he doesn't really have like the pedigree that a lot of these other coaches do. They ended up winning this game, which forces the Bears to get the number one pick in that 32-31 game. On the last drive core, they converted a fourth and 12, then a crazy fourth and 20, and then got a two-point conversion to win 32-31 that – I mean, probably Lovey Smith was getting fired anyway, but them winning the game probably screwed him even more. Uh, it was really funny watching that game. I think I think both teams ended up throwing a pick six in this one, if I'm not wrong. It was a complete tank off that the Colts ended up losing the game but winning the tank off. So, yeah, that was kind of crazy. But, yeah, for Lovey Smith, never really a fair shot. The Texans have to get their head coaching right, and hopefully for their sake, with the number two overall pick, they're definitely going to go quarterback and – Maybe there's a coach out there. I don't think Sean Payton necessarily would take this job, but maybe that there's another coach, uh, an offensive guru, maybe like a Ben Johnson is the Lions offensive coordinator who potentially wants to work with one of these young quarterbacks and he gets to do that in Houston. But yeah, uh, a couple ugly years for Houston and hopefully they can find their head coach of the future this offseason. Yeah, the Texans are definitely the most disgruntled organization in football right now. They really, like, you look at that organization besides, like, a top pick. I mean, if you can land Bryce Young, I think then you could actually move forward. But, like, what do you want, even David Cully and Lovey Smith, what do you want, like, each of these guys to do? I mean, you really gave them nothing to work with. It was literally Davis Mills who, I mean, third-round pick. I mean, his ceiling is, at best, like a low-tier, very low-tier starting quarterback. I really don't even think he is a starting quarterback, like a low tier type starting QB. And oh, but wait, I will I will reiterate this to you. But Davis Mills, when the Texans are supposed to be tanking and losing, turned into Mahomes on yeah. that last throw. I oh, would say that. You're gonna say, I mean, yeah, but also he threw the ball, and you know the Colts are purposefully not trying to stop the ball. Yeah, I'm I'm sorry to interrupt you there. And like you, you yeah. we'll completely move past this game, and you can continue with that. 
the Colts, like, I, I'm, I am so convinced the Colts purposely did the game. And I know, like, like people are like, all right, that's not real. No preference. You just look at down the stretch in that game, how, first of all, he caught the fourth and 20 for a touchdown. And then the two-point conversion, the guy is wide open. There, there was something going on there. That's all I'll say with that. But, yeah, continue with the Texans and their, like, dysfunction. Yeah, because there's been a ton of it. We could go on and on. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you can go on and on. But, honestly, the Colts, that last play, you see, like, Ellinger, like, threw the ball deep. And it just seemed like Michael Pittman was just like didn't even go for the ball. So I mean, I kind of agree. I don't think they really were trying to win. I think they were pur- purposefully trying to lose. But when it goes to the Texans, I mean, maybe you just don't think either one of these guys are your future guy. But I just don't know what direction they're planning on going in. It's just weird because you really gave them no. P- neither coach had any pieces to really work with. So I don't know what you really want them to do. It's just you're you can put Bill Belichick as the coach of the Texans. They're not winning over six games. Like they're just not a talented NFL football team. So mm-hmm. I don't know where they go from here. I mean, I think unfortunately them losing, I mean, them winning this game kind of hurts them. Hopefully they could somehow still get Bryce Young. I hope Bryce Young is able to like would be able to to thrive in Houston. It's a really uh dysfunctional organization so i don't know where they go i mean they're just really the nfl dumpster fire currently and i mean ever since they lost to sean watson it's kind of really gone down downhill and i don't know i don't know what they want either one of these guys to do though they really didn't get a fair chance and i don't even know the front office doesn't even know what they're doing it seems like either they're just firing guys left and right when you can put literally any coach and they would not win football games. So it's just tough. And I mean, they do have a high pick. They have to go quarterback in my opinion. And yeah, it goes from there. I just also not, even with the high pick, the Texans to me is not an attractable spot at all. Yeah. The only way that the Texans job is really like, unless you really, really want one of those young quarterbacks, but then you can even argue like the Colts who are sitting at pick four could just trade up to one and I know they're gonna have to give up a lot to it but then even with the Colts whatever they give up for it that looks like a better job than the Texans especially with what else is around them and if you like working with Jim Mercer and Chris Ballard the GM then I guess that maybe comes into a thing whereas like the Texans have a I don't believe they fired the GM yet Nick Casario so maybe the relationship there would be better but they were even bad in the last year of Watson I think they went four and 12 that year when they fired Bill O'Brien so like you forget that Bill O'Brien and that whole mess when he was like the head coach slash GM in Houston so because of how bad, like how they handled Cully and Smith the past two years. So yeah, the Texans definitely have to get something right, but no coach really wants to take a job where you're going to be fired after one year when you're given probably one of the worst rosters in the league. So kind of feel bad for Cully last year. And then you feel bad again for Lovey Smith this year. Jonathan Gallon was another guy who interviewed with them. I know they've been requesting interviews all this past week. He's the defensive coordinator of the Eagles. He interviewed with them as well last year. He was a runner up to that job. So definitely keep your eye on him. The Eagles defense got even better this year. So that could potentially be a spot for him. One last thing real quick before we start talking about the playoffs, just in the interest of time. Sean McVay, there's been a lot of rumors coming out that he might potentially step away from coaching for – I'd say a couple of years. I don't think definitely that he would leave forever. But do you kind of buy these rumors now that the Rams kind of looking like they might have to – I don't know if they're necessarily going to rebuild. That's why maybe I'm not buying into it as much. Like Stafford is still there. Cooper Cup's obviously coming back. And, like, they, they're going to bring back a lot of their same roster. I don't necessarily think that this was like, 
a roster that needs a ton of change. So I definitely think he'll come back for like another year, but I don't know. I guess like if he's like not really confident, maybe in Stafford's health or not really confident in how this roster shapes up, I can definitely see him stepping away before like a pretty long rebuild. But I don't know. Like if I ask you right now, like do you think McVay's on the Rams sideline come week one, 2023? I would say yes. Like I would say that they have there has to be something a little bit more behind the scenes that we don't know about the Rams looking like a lot more bleaker than we think theirs. Because like I said, they weren't good this year, but they were also very injured and their offensive line was a complete mess. If they shore up a couple pieces on their offensive line, Stafford come back, Cooper Cup obviously comes back too. Like I don't necessarily think this is a team that's like not a contender, I guess I want to say. I know that's weird to say after they won what five games, but still. Mm-hmm. The Rams, I mean, are a team who, with Stafford and Cup, I think, I don't think, like, obviously they're not as good as the year. They won the Super Bowl before that, but I still like a decent team, in my opinion, who could, I don't know, I think they would have competed for a playoff spot, definitely. I mean, you look at the bottom, like the wildcard teams, you're telling me they couldn't have competed over a team like Seattle, like they definitely could have. And if you're going to tell me, is he going to be the coach 2023? I think he will. But it all depends on Stafford's health because you look at Sean McVay. It's crazy he's only 36 years old, actually. He's been coaching for a long time. in I mean, Even in the NFL, like starting as like assistants when he was like 24 mm-hmm. years old. Like, he is still really young. He's been in the game for a long time. you got to realize like, if, if Stafford's health is not up there, like if it's not going to be right and I don't know Cooper Cup's status, even if he's back, someone's got to throw him the football. Maybe it'll be Baker Mayfield, but you could like this year when you're a coach of a team with this many injuries and you're like supposed to be a good team, it definitely does take a toll on you, especially like in football. You gotta like draw up game plans, not like you can just like chill on, on the bench. Like you have to obviously do a lot of work. So like the resume that he has, a 2017 coach of the year, Super Bowl, 36 years old. I think he will be the coach, but if he were to step away, I mean, I don't, I wouldn't be surprised. Like, even if he decided to step away for, I don't know, four years and he's 40 years old, he comes back. Sean McVay can get a job as a head coach anytime he wants. Yeah. Mm. So it all depends on how Stafford is. But like, if Matthew Stafford's good for the 2023 season, I I think Sean McVay will be back and uh, at least give it another season. I mean, he's obviously the dude is a football genius. So I think he'll be back on the sidelines for the Rams, in my opinion. Yeah, that's what I'm I, – I also agree with that, too. I'm looking at their free agents, too. They're not really losing anybody noticeable. Taylor Rapp's a free agent. Sean Robinson, defensive lineman as well, and Troy Hill, who's a slot corner. But, I mean – and Matt Gay. Like, Matt Gay, you could argue, is, like, one of their biggest free agent losses. Obviously, Baker, too. But, like, you know what I mean? Stafford will be back. So, yeah, my gut feeling is that McVay's not gone, but – with all the smoke that there was potentially like last year, him leaving this year. And then like, you know how big these contracts are that these broadcasters are getting like Sean McVay would easily go into a booth and do similar to what, like the path. I mean, he first worked under John Gruden in Tampa Bay. It seems like that would kind of be his path. You know what I mean? He was a really young head coach when he took over, then takes away from coaching for steps away from coaching for a little bit to go into TV. And then eventually gets too much of an itch. He likes football. Like he eats, breathes, and sleeps it too much to never coach again. Like, obviously, he will be back soon. I, I personally think he would take a year away from, like, the game and be like, all right, I need to be back. So, we'll see. He's got a long offseason. 
in for him, and that would be definitely a lot of questions in L.A. I'm Like I said, I'm not buying the rumors 100% yet, but the fact that they've been prevalent in the past and now they're coming out again makes me think that maybe there is a little bit more weight to them than I have been giving them. But with that being said, Cora, enough of the head coaching talk. We got all late February and March to recap that stuff and figure out the draft stuff and talk about the tankathon stuff, Cora. We still got playoff starting, so let's get right into that conversation, our playoff talk right now. We will start first with you, Core. Who do you think in both conferences, you can give me one or you can give me one for each conference, is the biggest, like, most underrated, most overlooked, select dark horse team in either the AFC, either the NFC, or if you can give me one for the whole playoffs? I mean, I think – I don't know if you can say they're, like, overlooked, but I'm going to say for the whole entire playoffs, I mean, the Cincinnati Bengals, I mean, obviously they're, like, a top team, but to me, you look, and I, I just don't see a team outside of Kansas City, Buffalo, Cincinnati, Philly, the Niners, and maybe I'll slide in the Cowboys. Like, maybe. I don't see a team outside of them, obviously, winning Super Bowl. So I think out of all those, like the biggest dark horse, I think, is the Cincinnati Bengals. It's like hard to call them a dark horse. They did get to the Super Bowl, but I mean, you look in the AFC, I think people are still on Buffalo. They're still on Kansas City. Like people are like thinking the Bengals could win, but I think it's very, very legit and very possible they could win the AFC and win the Super Bowl. I mean, Joe Burrow is actually playing at an elite level. And the thing that Joe Burrow has, he's just a winner. He's got swag and he's just confident. Like they were like, What's your window? He's like, My whole career is my window. So I don't know. They're just playing with a lot of like urgency and swagger and confidence. So you look at the roster. I mean, if Joe Burrow can play this way, I mean, they have a really good skill position. The defense is playing great ball. So I don't know. I think obviously people are thinking as, as, as the Bengals, as a top team still, maybe like, like you look, I think if you look at like odds, like Buffalo, Kansas city, the Eagles in the Niners probably have better odds than, than the Bengals. So I think the Bengals are, a drop overlooked despite them being 12 and four. But I, I just, I just like, I'm not going to give out a team like the Chargers when I don't think they could make a run in the playoffs. I think Cincinnati to me is legit. Both sides of the ball, like a really good football team who could win the Super Bowl. Yeah, I think Cincinnati definitely deserves to be mentioned always in the same sentence when you talk about Buffalo and Kansas City. It's like, it's no, it's Buffalo, Kansas City, and Cincinnati. It's all three of them. I think Cincinnati is definitely for sure on their level. If not, they could even be better than one of those two teams. Their defense has played a lot better, especially this year, too. They've been they have a really good defensive unit that really gets overlooked there. I'll go a little like more of a dark horse than that. Listen, is this team gonna win the Super Bowl? No. But I think a lot of people maybe are overlooking the Baltimore Ravens, especially if they get Lamar Jackson back. Now I know he hasn't played in a couple weeks, but this is a team core that their losses with Lamar Jackson are all like late in games in the fourth quarter like they have dominated games with Lamar Jackson against really good teams too obviously they played Buffalo really well but then they ended up blowing it late Jacksonville as well they blew and I know these are playoff teams that they're gonna have to beat but you know what I mean they beat Cincinnati earlier in the year too with Lamar so I'm curious to see how they play with Lamar Jackson back and Roquan Smith has been an awesome addition for them they actually just locked them up long term there so yeah I think if the Ravens get Lamar back they could be like a trendy upset pick. I know they are playing the Bengals. I think the Bengals are a better football team there, but who knows there what could happen there. I won't say the Chargers as well. I guess I it would give the Ravens a slight edge to the Chargers. If I had to go into the NFC too, I mean, I'm not even going to say Dallas, and I was so high on Dallas, but like I said, if you get Dallas from like weeks like 
nine to like 14, then yeah, I think Dallas is potentially a Super Bowl winning team, but the pet or maybe like 13, but like since that Texans game, like they just have not looked good. So I'm not even going to put my name behind the Dallas Cowboys. We'll go to a biggest X factor court to a surprise. Like, is there a player or a certain like offense or a defensive unit out there that you think that like, you're definitely like circling the most. Like I'll start with me first. I think one of the biggest, like I'm very high on Buffalo as well. I think Buffalo's D line is one of the biggest X factors in the playoffs. When they've been on, they've been so dominant this year and really taken over games. I look back on the Jets game in Buffalo. I look back on even early in the year when they played the Rams and they played the Titans as well. They're deep with Gregory Rousseau. They've Shaq Lawson, Ed Oliver there. And the biggest reason why is they didn't win that game last year in the divisional round against Kansas City, but they made Patrick Mahomes continuously uncomfortable. And if they could do something like that again against Cincinnati or against Buffalo or against Kansas City, then they give themselves a really good shot to beat one of those two teams and like get into the Super Bowl. And obviously with their offense too, their secondary is a little weaker than it's been as it's been banged up. So I'm definitely looking for the Bills D-line to step up. And if the Bills D-line has a really good postseason, then I think the Buffalo Bills will be on their way to a lot of success this postseason. But I'm curious for you if you have any of them or even like a certain player, like I said, that you're definitely yeah. just like looking forward to this offseason. Mm-hmm. I think the, obviously that's a good one. I mean, I would go like Dallas's defense, but I don't know. I think it's going to be kind of um, broad just because like they were winning games even when he was out. But I think, I don't know, CJ Gardner Johnson for the Eagles, I think getting him back and, and mm-hmm. healthy will, will definitely hurt, will definitely help that Eagles uh, secondary. I mean, he had six interceptions this year. So I obviously know. Um, they were able to fill the void without him, but I think getting him back certainly will help that defense and that secondary. And against better um, passing offenses, they'll be able to to sustain. Obviously, the Niners are more of a run team, but I mean, obviously, you, their goal is not to win the NFC to win the Super Bowl. I mean, you're going to play Kansas City or um, Buffalo, even Cincinnati, more uh, throwing teams in the AFC. Uh, CJ Garner Johnson back at safety, I think, certainly going to help the Eagles and could propel them to uh, a Super Bowl. Yeah, it's a really good one for sure because he has been a dynamic playmaker for that defense there. So if they can get him back, uh, well, with him being back, that is a huge get. And you're 100% right. Like, if you want to play in the NFC, like against some of these AFC teams, you're going to need every single defensive back so you possibly could have. One other guy, too, I'll mention is Dre Greenlaw. He got hurt in Week 17. I believe for the 49ers, it could have even been week 16. So hopefully they get him back. He's questionable this week. So if they can get him back, that will definitely help. And they could definitely use him, like I said. We move on to our Super Bowl matchup core. I don't want to like, – I was thinking about saying that we pick brackets, but like we pick brackets, it kind of like defeats the purpose of us making game picks every week. So we're, we'll give you our Super Bowl matchup now, and then we'll give you each of our six individual game picks coming up right after this. I'll start with you, core. Wildcard week, pre wildcard weekend. Who is your Super Bowl pick for Super Bowl 57? Yeah, I mean, in the NFC, I, I hate to go like chalk, but I think it all depends if, like, if Jalen Hurts can get back, I think he will. I think it'll be tough. I'm going to go with the Eagles coming out of the NFC. And I mean, the AFC, I want to go with the Bills. I mean, not the Bills, um, the Chiefs. What do I think? I'm not. I, it's just like it's tough with them. Uh, I kind of wanted to go with the Bengals, but I just don't see them beating Patrick Mahomes again. 
I think that matchup between the Bills and the Bengals second round would be really good. You know, like, you hate to go all chalk, but I'm going to go chalk. I think it's going to be the Chiefs versus the Eagles in the Super Bowl. And are we giving a winner or just the matchup? Nah, just the matchup. Don't score. Matchup, yeah. yeah. Don't chalk. Chiefs, Chiefs, Eagles, unfortunately. Chiefs, Eagles. I think the Eagles in the NFC are a really good pick. I think that they could potentially give Brock Purdy a lot of trouble. And I know like, I hate picking Philadelphia, and I kind of want to go against you here, but like they almost set the record for most sacks in the year. And I think what's going to end up eventually being the demise of Brock Purdy is the team is just going to get a little too much pressure on him. Shannon does such a good job of him getting rid of the ball early, so he's not like too flustered. But I think that will be the downfall of him. And whatever team's able to get a lot of pressure on him, you'll see like why Brock Purdy wasn't this like first-round quarterback that everybody's kind of like, See, like you know what I mean? Like he's been perfect so far. So I, I don't want to double up and take the Eagles with you because I think the 49ers could easily beat them. But I, I guess I will take the Eagles with you. And I'll take the Bills in the AFC. I do think the Bills will make it out of the AFC. I think it's just their time. It is their year. And yes, they have a tough goal because like, they would have to go through Cincinnati and then Kansas City. But they beat Kansas City this year. Obviously, that Cincinnati game got postponed. But I think that they're more well-rounded this year than they have been in the last couple of years, and that's going to serve them so right. You have to be able to win a lot of different ways in the playoffs, and I think that they're going to be able to do that. So I'll take Bill's Eagles, and like you can put an asterisk next to the Eagles because I can easily see the 49ers being there. I would be very shocked if it was one of those two not out of the NFC, which, which would be really cool. Like I said, I hope it's not one of those two. I hope it's the New York Giants, but uh, with that being said, I would I would be pretty surprised that if it wasn't Philadelphia or San Francisco to get out of the NFC. And with that being said, Core, we're going to move on to our game picks here. We'll start first with the San Francisco 49ers. We're nine and a half point favorites against Seattle. I'll take it away first here. Seattle lost them twice during the regular season. It's tough to beat a team three times. Core, they're going to do it. I'll take the Niners here to cover the nine and a half. The Seattle has just not been the same team at all from the first half to the second half of the year. Their run defense isn't good. Their secondary is eh. And Again, Brock Purdy's played so in rhythm with this 49ers offense. Debo Samuel is back healthy that I think Christian McCaffrey is going to be able to have a good day. And this will – like the Seahawks pass us isn't good enough to give Brock Purdy those pressure concerns that I have. So, yeah, I think the 49ers win this game comfortably. I'll take that minus nine and a half. Yeah, I'm going to go with the same thing. I just think Seattle kind of peaked early and they're really not the same team at all. And nine and a half is a decent amount of points. But I think I think the Niners win this game by at least ten. So yeah, I'm gonna keep it. I'm gonna keep it short and sweet. I'll take the Niners minus nine and a half at home over over Seattle. All right, in the battle of top young quarterbacks, we got the chat the Chargers playing the Jaguars. The last time I checked this line for it was a pickup. It was kind of hovering around like the Chargers being like a half to a point favorite. We'll keep it as a pickup right now at the line. I'm curious. We'll start with you first. You have Herbert, and you got Trevor Lawrence in this one. Yeah, I think I said I said I think Trevor Lawrence will be able to like rebound and play better than he did last week. But I just, I want to pick the Jags, but like right now I would take Herbert over, over Lawrence slightly. And I think in the playoffs, even though like neither guy has been there before, I'm going to give the slight lean to Justin Herbert. So in a pick situation, I'm going to ride with the Los Angeles Chargers, a team who they've been winning of late, but hasn't been so pretty. But I think they win this game. It's a one-possession game for sure. I'll take the Chargers to go into Jacksonville, which honestly, I'll give them a lot of credit. That was a really loud crowd in Jacksonville on Saturday. But I don't know. I think Herbert gets it done and the Chargers move on to the next round. 
Yeah, I'm going to back you on this one. I don't feel great about it, but I do think that the Chargers overall have more talent on their roster with a better quarterback as well. They have to limit Travis Etienne on the ground, which is what Tennessee did a really good job of last week. Do I ultimately think they're going to do do that? I'm not sure, but I think Austin Eckler, Mike, Will- Mike Williams, and Keenan Allen will be a little bit too much for the Jaguars to handle with Justin Herbert. So, yeah, I think it'll be close. I think it'll be a one-possession game with that outside with the better quarterback. I will take the Chargers in the pick. I mean, even if it's like one, one and a half, I would still stay with the Chargers. We'll move on to the Sunday slate where those are the two Saturday games that we just mentioned. The Dolphins travel to Buffalo. The Bills are nine and a half point favorites. I will remind you, as of now, Tua Tagovailoa is not cleared from concussion protocol. Teddy Bridgewater is questionable. He had that pinky injury. It looks like Bridgewater will go. I'm making the pick personally with the assumption that Bridgewater will probably play. So I'll start with you first. Do you like the Dolphins to cover the nine and a half and or ultimately win? Or do you think that the Bills handle this one kind of in a route? Well, nine and a half. I mean, with Teddy, I don't think Teddy's guy is going to get you over the hump, but I think it'll keep him somewhat close. So I'll take I'll take the Dolphins plus nine and a half. But I think the the Bills win this game pretty handedly still, despite it being Close, like I don't think there'll ever be a doubt that the Bills will lose, but I'll get I'll give the I'll give the Dolphins a little bit of respect, even with Teddy. Uh, I don't think he can take them to a win, but I think nine and a half. Uh, I'll I'll back the Dolphins, but I think the Bills move on pretty like easily. But I'll take plus nine and a half. Yeah, I'm torn, and maybe I've been flipping my pick back and forth, and maybe you just helped me make my decision easier because I don't want to copy you on every single pick. But I will take the Bills then. At the number nine and a half, I do think, like, even though Miami has played them well both times this year, even beat them one of the times, I think Buffalo definitely dominated them that first game. And I just think they're a much better team than Buffalo. Miami's secondary has been shaky this year, which for all the money that they have invested in it, maybe isn't the best thing. But I think Buffalo is going to be able to attack the secondary. They haven't had a problem moving the ball on them in two games. I don't think that they will this one either. And that other game, too, like, that, like I'll draw that up to. A couple weeks back, like Tua just playing a really well game and them being in rhythm with him, whereas Teddy, if Teddy Bridgewater or Skyler Thompson is that quarterback, I think that their offense could potentially struggle and they're not going to be able to affect Buffalo vertically like I think other teams could to exploit them. So I'll take the Bills minus nine and a half here, and that leads us up to my favorite game of the weekend where the Giants are three-point underdogs in Minnesota. This is a rematch of the Week 16 game where Greg Joseph hit that walk-off field goal. I think I said it at the time before. There's no way that the Minnesota Vikings will beat this Giants team again. The Giants completely outplayed them in the first game. If it wasn't for not only a Daniel Bellinger fumble just outside the red zone, then you had a Daniel Jones pick on Minnesota's side of the field. You also had a costly Richie James drop late in the fourth quarter that led to them getting three instead of extending a drive. Even with that, it took a Greg Joseph miracle after Justin Jefferson caught like that screen pass there. I think the Giants, what Daniel Jones was able to do against the Vikings in the first meeting, attacking downfield, and he's only gotten better after that Colts game, too. Like That's what's built his confidence. I think he's going to be able to have a lot of success with that against the Vikings. The Giants have to find a way to somehow limit Justin Jefferson and TJ Hawkinson had a huge game against them, too. Adoree Jackson's health is huge. Definitely circle him on that. They also need to get back Aziz Ojulari and Leonard Williams. But I think with their front of Ojulari, Williams, Lawrence, and Thibodeau, they can make Kirk Cousins' life very uncomfortable. It's 430 Kirk as well. That's met, That doesn't bode well for him. So I'll take the Giants to win this game in a game that I feel like, of course, I'm going to be really biased in court. But, I mean, this is a dream scenario for me as a Giants fan. Yeah, pal. I mean, in this situation, you know, usually I don't like to take the same pick as you, but you just presented so many, so many great points. 
And as a really big Giants fan, you know, I'm going to trust you here. I think you, you seem too confident on this one for me to like be like, <laughs> I'm liking. So I'm going to agree with you. I think the Giants will cover plus three and win this game. I just think the Vikings are a team who all year have been winning one score games. And I mean, if they're going to win a game, it's going to be this one. I don't see them getting past the NFC divisional round. So, yeah, I mean, if they're going to win one, it's going to be this one and it would be close. But, you know, like I said, you just sound so confident on this. And as a big Giants fan, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to trust you here. So I'll take the Giants to win this game and uh, move on to the next round. Yeah, and, like, one thing I'll just say, like, the Giants' defense does give up a lot of yards. They've done an awesome job of holding teams to field goals. But, like, I don't know, like, Dalvin Cook, too, has not, like, impressed me at all this year. He just, like, definitely looks like he's lost the step. So I don't think Minnesota's offense has, like, as much firepower maybe as some people give them credit for. Obviously, Jefferson, too, will be huge. And, they, like, Jefferson will probably still go for a ton of yards and stuff. But, I, I, like I said, I, I got a really good feeling about this one. I got to say, again, you watch the game. In week 16, they 100% outplayed them. So, like I said, of course, I see this game a lot closer. I can expand on that game a lot closer than these other ones because I've watched every snap of Giants football this year. But we'll move on to the Ravens and the Bengals, the Sunday night game. The Bengals are seven-point favorites here. Lamar's status is still a little bit in limbo. If Lamar Jackson plays, I am definitely taking the Ravens, even if this line goes down to six points. I will ultimately take the Bengals to win because I think they are a more complete team. But again, like I said earlier, I think people forget how good the Ravens were playing, even with Lamar Jackson and how, like, through 11 games, they were 7-4, and four, but only trailed for, like, such a minimal amount of times in those games. So I think they're able to keep it close, but I think the Bengals have a little bit too much firepower for the Ravens to contain. And I think that also, like, the Ravens don't have the weapons against the match. I mean, the Ravens' number one receiver going into this week is Demarcus Robinson. And that's just a little too much for Lamar Jackson to overcome, especially with him potentially being still a little dinged up. But I think he's able to keep it close, but I think the Bengals are too good of a team here to drop this one. I think the Ravens plus 7, but the Bengals to win it. If Lamar Jackson goes, I agree. I don't know if this line – plus seven for me with – if Lamar is a go, I think I'm definitely going to take the Bengals, especially because these two teams played last week. I think the Bengals are a better football team definitely on paper. But, I mean, like plus seven with Lamar back. And, I mean, John Harbaugh as your coach, I mean, a good coach, I'm, I'm going to take them to keep this one close, maybe more of a grinded out type game. But, you know, I think overall um, the Bengals are just a better team. And I think they could be – I think they'll beat the Ravens two times in a row. It's tough to do, especially, I mean, back-to-back weeks. But, yeah, I'm going to take the Bengals to win. But plus seven uh, sounds pretty good for the Ravens. And I- I'll take plus seven. All right, and then we'll move on to our Monday night football game. Somehow Joe Buck and Troy Aikman, they might be on ESPN court, but they still find a way to call Cowboys games. Cowboys are three-point favorites playing – in Tampa Bay against the Buccaneers. From an injury front, I will say that this, the Buccaneers, Donovan Smith played in Week 17, their left tackle. He did not play in Week 18 due to rest reason, reasons. I would expect him to be back. Carlton Davis, though, has missed the last two weeks. He's questionable. He would definitely be a big get for them back. But I will start with you first, Gord. Are you taking Dallas and hoping that they bounce back a little bit, or are you going to go with Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? I mean, Dallas is due to – win a playoff game and do something in the playoffs. But I don't know. It just concerns me 
because I just feel like everyone is going to take the Bucks in this situation. And like last yeah, week, you, I, I'm I'm sorry to cut you off. It's it's something with the Giants too. You never want to be the public underdog. Like it's just one of those things. You never want the public to back you when you're an underdog. And I'm oh. ter- I was terrified that the Giants are like one of those situations. But yeah, the Buccaneers are 100 percent right. People are going to see the Buccaneers at home against Tom Brady and instantly just jump on it because there's a plus sign next to it. So yeah, definitely like. Keep that in, in the back of your mind, but continue, please. Uh huh. No, especially how the, the Cowboys have like been limping almost into the playoffs. I know they like just like ugly football, kind of. So, you know, I I said last week, like I thought a Jags money line and a Packers money line like should have hit easily. And obviously, you know, the Lions go in to Lambeau and win that game. And even the Jaguars like did not win that game easily by like any means. So, I'll take. I'll still take Tampa to win this game and like obviously cover plus three. But I wouldn't be surprised if Dallas comes out and has a bounce back game. But just based off what I saw last week, like I would not have confidence in putting money on Dallas in this one. So I'll back the goat and the Bucks to to win this game. Yeah, Brady in his career too is seven and zero against the Dallas Cowboys. So you can see if the Cowboys finally get over the hump and are able to beat him. Core, I am so torn on this game. I really am, especially how high I was on Dallas. And it goes to the point of, like, am I willing to bet on Dallas bouncing back? I mean, Tampa Bay still has been bad. They have not been good this year by any stretch of the imagination. They played a lot better against the Carolina Panthers late down the stretch in that Week 17 must-win game. But with that being said, I mean, call it a little biased too, because I hate everything to do with the Dallas Cowboys organization. I love how it's the playoffs, too, and you get to see Mike McCarthy, and obviously their mess last year, they choked the game away against San Francisco. I'm going to take the Buccaneers here, too, plus three and win the game. Again, I could I could see this game. I don't think the Buccaneers win this game big. I think they would win it close. I could see Dallas, honestly, wiping the floor with the Buccaneers, how bad the Bucs have been at some points this year. And uh, it can make us look real stupid. But – I won't take that. I will buy that this Dallas defense the past couple weeks is the defense that we'll get. And with that being said, the Bucks getting a little bit more healthy on their offensive line. They have a ton of weapons that can stretch the field vertically that have given the Cowboys some trouble these past couple weeks. And I think it's going to happen again. And I think Tom Brady ultimately is going to improve to 8-0 against the Cowboys. But again, that is definitely the game that I circle on this slate that can make us look the stupidest. Like I don't see Minnesota blowing out the Giants. I could see Dallas blowing out. Tampa Bay, but I don't think it's going to happen. I, I would lean – I'm more comfortable on going with the Buccaneers winning a grinded-out close game over Dallas and just having the better quarterback ultimately too as well that will win them the football game. But with that said, Corey, that wraps up our game picks and that wraps up our Week 18 recap and our playoff preview. Is there anything you want to add? No, nah, I mean, just looking forward to this this week of playoffs. Uh, obviously, NFL playoffs. I mean, last year, a lot of incredible – finishes a lot of one-score games, and hopefully we're in store for another playoffs like that. I mean, hopefully for your sake, you know, obviously a Jets fan, hopefully the Giants go into Minnesota and get a win. But, yeah, I mean, uh, NFL playoffs, it's you can, like think it's like fun to watch us a little bit like sad because, like, you know, the season's almost over. But definitely uh, we'll enjoy that. And, yeah, I mean, obviously one of the best times of the year to to watch some football. Yeah, I mean, I know it's wild card weekend, but I'll, I mean, I'll talk about some of the last football that we've recently watched. Where that Super Bowl was a real close game. Then you had Chiefs Bengals and 
49ers Rams in the NFC Championship, which were both one possession games. And then that divisional round last year was an all time playoff round. I mean, playoff football was great last year, and I really hope it lives up to the hype again this year. You had a couple of games, obviously, with bigger spreads this week, but I think there's going to be a couple of really good games. Before I go, Core, what do you think is going to be the best game of the weekend from, like, yeah, just like an entertainment point, you could say just the closest game and stuff like that? If you had to pick out any one of the six, what's your favorite one? Or what do you think is going to be the best one? I'm looking at. To me, I think the three best. I'm gonna go. I think like Cowboys, Bucks, um, Bengals, Ravens, and like Chargers, Jags. I'm not seeing go with like a little bit like the dark horse. I'll say Chargers, Jags is gonna be the best game of the weekend. Mm-hmm. I think two young quarterbacks, uh, two teams never been in the playoffs. I expect. I'm not gonna expect like a shootout, but I think it'll be an exciting game between uh these two teams. And yeah, I'm gonna go with that one. Yeah, that could be a real fun one to watch those two quarterbacks kind of seeing, like, who's going to step into that, like, Mahomes-Allen, even if you want to say Burrow category, you know what I mean? Like, Herbert obviously has gotten so much praise this year, and some people are like, uh, let's finally see him in the playoffs. He's got his chance for Trevor Lawrence, too, kind of almost maybe surpassing Justin Herbert, potentially, if he beats Herbert this week. For me, I'll say actually Ravens-Bangles. I love how that's a Sunday night football game. I think that one's going to be really close, as well as Cowboys-Buccaneers on Monday night. But I think if Lamar plays, I would love to see. And I, you love yourself a good divisional game in the playoffs. These teams know each other. These teams don't like each other. So I think that'll be an awesome game to watch on Sunday night. But with that being said, that's going to be it for today's episode. Be sure to check us out on the – Instagram at the default underscore awesome week of playoff football long weekend to watch. Take care, everybody. Have a good one.